As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, I feel that this is one of the most exciting tests of the 49ers season so far. Maybe the most exciting test. The Miami Dolphins are coming into town, and the Dolphins, when they've had their quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, healthy this season, have been by far the best offense in football. And that's head and shoulders above even Kansas City. And remember, five games ago... Kansas City took the 49ers' defense to the woodshed at Levi Stadium. In the four games since then, the 49ers' defense has not given up a single second-half point, and they're currently on a 94-minute shutout streak because they shut out the New Orleans Saints last Sunday. So the 49ers' defense has obviously turned it up a notch ever since Kansas City embarrassed them. But, Matt, you can't really undo a bad showing against an elite offense like Kansas City's until you actually do better against an elite offense. And the 49ers haven't had a chance against a top-level attack until now. On Sunday, they're going to have that shot against old friend Mike McDaniel and a whole bunch of other old friends, including Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. when the Dolphins come to Levi's. Yeah, that's uh, it's an impressive offense. I was watching the um, the Week 12 game that they had against the Texans, and it's the Texans. <laughs> the Texans were bad. This this game got uh, 27-0 very quickly, but you see uh, what makes that, that offense tick. It's the 49ers offense with more speed and a quarterback with a bigger arm. Um, it's uh, it's two or uh, three steps and the ball's out, and it's not just little dinks and dunks, which a lot of teams have done against the 49ers it's three steps, and Tyreek Hill is already 20 yards down the field. It's three steps, and Jalen Waddell is going across the middle. Trent Sherfield, another ex-49er uh, who's out there. Uh, there are even some uh, River Craycraft throws there. So a lot of recognizable names. Um, I will say, as soon as Teron Armstead, their left tackle, their very good left tackle, left that game, it was a night and day difference, Dennis. Um, the the Dolphins looked like uh, went from Super Bowl uh, l- likely team 
to um, scrambling around, and uh, Tua got hit a lot, and he got hit so much, in fact, that they took him out of the game. They were up a lot, but I think it was precautionary as well because he was starting to get uh, battered around. And I think, uh, well, I know that's the 49ers' best shot, as if this battered um, uh, Dolphins offensive line can't stop Nick Bosa, can't stop perhaps Eric Armstead, and then the 49ers, I think, have a real shot of, uh, of halting this really powerful offensive attack. Yeah, and I, and I think after Armstead went, went out, the Texans were able to get really get after the quarterback, get after Tua, and I think he sacked him like four or five times and got many hits on him. So that, that could be the key to the game. Well, that will be the key to the game because the game is always won and lost at the line of scrimmage, but it's going to be super important this week that that front four get home. Because, like like David said, the ball comes out quick. Uh, Charvarius, uh, he's he's practiced against Tyreek Tyreek Hill many years, and I, I'm sure he's going to travel with him throughout this football game. But this ball comes out fast, uh, and and the two receivers they're all speed. So you know the pressure is going to be important. That gut pressure again is going to be important. Two is not the tallest guy in the world. If you can get some hands up, maybe block his block his uh, passing lanes, his, his vision of passing lanes, that could slow it down. But that pass rush is going to have to get home, and, and it's going to be especially true uh, on Sunday against the Dolphins. So we get to see what this defense is really about. I mean, we saw Kansas City. Kansas City is a true Super Bowl contending uh, football team. I think Miami Dolphins are getting there. I mean, they're an elite offense. They're high power. They can score points really fast. So this week, we're really going to see what this 49er defense is about. Well, Tua Tagovailoa, the average snap to release time is 2.6 seconds. And as we know from following the 49ers, if he can average that over the course of an entire season, that's that's really quick. That's that's getting the ball out in a hurry. And, it, you know, it's almost by necessity when you look at this Dolphins team, the offensive line isn't good. The metrics absolutely hate their offensive line. And I'm talking about ESPN's score for how long all the blockers are holding their blocks and then PFF's grade, which is probably a bit more subjective. But the Dolphins in a composite score of PFF and, and, and ESPN offensive line metrics ranked number 31 out of 32 teams. Only the Titans have a worse offensive line. And the Dolphins have big-time injury problems. They, their best player is Teron Armstead, the left tackle, but he he's torn his pectoral muscle. It turns out he doesn't need surgery, so he's saying that he's going to play but even if he does play, he's going to be torn, playing with a torn pectoral muscle at left tackle. And the right tackle almost certainly won't play. That's Austin Jackson. The backups aren't good. But you you look at how the hell have the Dolphins still maintained this type of offensive efficiency and explosiveness, even with an offensive line that is struggling so much? And the answer is they're getting the ball out quickly, and then they're letting their guys with with speed uh, do the rest. And sometimes that speed allows them to get open really quickly too, so that they, they don't even have to rely on yak all too much. The Tyree kills downfield within the two point six seconds that it takes for Tua Tagovailoa to release the football. So the 49ers, I think, are going to have to fuel their rush with coverage in this game. And Nick Bosa talked about it today, Matt. They they have to face that challenge early in the game when Mike McDaniel's going through his scripted plays. There are probably going to be some doozies in there. There are probably going to be some plays that compromise the 49ers' defense. But the 49ers have to counter. They have to stop the bleeding if it does happen earlier. And they have to dissuade to a tug of Iloa from 
firing off too quickly in that short game. You have to force him to step back in the pocket a little bit because if this Dolphins offensive line is as compromised as I think that it is in a true drop-back situation, and if Eric Armstead is back in this game, the 49ers will be able to administer pressure. But the the problem is, if Tagovailoa gets the ball off too quickly, uh, it doesn't matter how much pressure you can administer because uh, the quarterback's just standing there without the football, right? So I think that the coverage is going to be just as important as the run rush in gener- generating pressure in this game. Yeah, and um, it, that brings us to uh, the 49ers' own injury issues. Um, Eric Armstead um, practiced last week on Friday, and Kyle Shanahan said that there was a uh, sort of a, a pregame workout that Armstead had on uh, on Sunday, and that he looked really good there as well. He was limited in Wednesday's practice. I think that's just kind of getting him, ramping him up to full speed. Um, and I think he's going to play. Now, the question is, how much does he play? And now there's a, a secondary question. I was looking forward, Dennis, to uh, a pairing between Armstead and uh, what I call mini Armstead, which is Charles Amenehu, who's just uh, slightly uh, shorter, another kind of uh, you know uh, long-limbed defensive tackle. And I thought if those two guys could get pressure up the middle, that yeah. would really be the... Uh, the, the salve, the uh, you know what the 49ers need to beat Tua and this quick strike offense. Uh, but uh, I don't know if either of those guys is going to be at full strength. Uh, it might be another big game for Hassan Ridgeway and for Kevin Givens, and, and those guys were great. We talked about Ridgeway's uh, fantastic hit in the end zone against the Saints. But, um, boy, I, I think you'd rather have the length and the quickness and the smarts that uh, that Armstead and uh, and Amenahue could give you in the middle. Yeah, and you need some guys in there. And this is where being a veteran in the NFL. I mean, you have to have disciplined rush lanes against two also because he can scramble around. And uh, we know the 49ers have a hard time with these quarterbacks that are very mobile. So it's going to be important to get the pressure on them, get that gut pressure. But also to corral him, because if he starts running around, he's got these receivers, and there's so much speed on the outside. These guys can figure out how to get open, and then he and he has a great Tua does a really great job of seeing the entire football field, uh, and he can find his open receivers. So you know you you got to have the push the the pressure the gut pressure has got to be there, but you got to hold contain too. You can't get the field too far. You can't let him find a, a run lane, climb the pocket, or run around in the backfield. Uh, and then find open receivers because, you know, if he gets into a rhythm, I mean, it, it could get really scary really quick because for some reason, um, you know, these receivers uh, and the quarterback, they they are they're they are, you know, they're together. I mean, they they the back shoulder throws uh, the the playground or the, the playground type football where you just kind of run around and find an open receiver. So it's going to be important. Coverage is going to be important, but I think more important, you got to be very disciplined uh, in your rush lanes uh, against his quarterback and the speed that he has at the receiver position. And supporting that point, Tua is one of the best quarterbacks in the league at avoiding sacks. There's charting now that credits quarterbacks for avoiding sacks or credits the offensive line for uh, obviously not 
putting a quarterback into position where, where he can be sacked and, and they, they, they plot on an XY axis where each of these guys is. And the Dolphins, Tua is exactly where you'd expect him to be with a bad offensive line. The sacks have generally really been the, the offensive line's fault for the Dolphins, but he's avoided a ton of them. Uh, if you put any other quarterback or almost any other quarterback behind the same offensive line, there would be a whole lot more sacks. Let's just put it that way. So uh, what Dennis is saying is exactly right. Tua can can escape the pressure. He has fewer than 100 rushing yards this year, but he hasn't really needed to, to take off. He's been able to evade the pressure in the backfield and then find one of his speedsters downfield, and that's either Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle. I mean, they've got a lot of weapons on this offense. So, the, the, you know, in – Combating that, the 49ers have to pass rush on their terms. And that means they need to be able to pin their ears back to rush with their hair on fire, but also in a disciplined fashion. And the only way you do that is through doing two things. And I talked about one of them already, and that was stopping the short game, forcing Tua Tagovailoa to be back, sit back in that pocket and, and say, hey, okay, fine, move around a little bit. Uh, we'll see if our pass rush is more disciplined than, than your evasiveness. The 49ers need to actually have that battle happen because if that battle doesn't happen, the Dolphins have already won. But the second thing the 49ers need to do to ensure that they at least get their shot at Tua is stop the run. And that creates one of the most interesting matchups of this game, Matt, because this is a Mike McDaniel team. Mike McDaniel, for years, was a run game specialist, a run game designer for the 49ers. And he has Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. as his top two backs. So one of the keys of this game for the 49ers will be combating two very familiar faces in the run game. Because if they don't do that successfully, then all this stuff that we talk about, the the, the pass game won't really matter. They, they have to earn the right to rush to. A, that's hard enough, but you got to make sure you get there first. And that involves stopping Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Yeah, and, and they haven't been a great rushing team. Uh, Nick Bosa made this point is that um, that doesn't always matter, that you can be um, you know, having a great run defense game against the Dolphins. And uh, especially Mostert is the type of runner that, uh, you know, you have that type of game through three and a half quarters, and then he could still break off a, a 75-yarder at any point that would make your stats look really bad. So they've got to be cognizant of that. You know, the, the, the good part for the 49ers is that they know this this type of offense. They practice against it all offseason. They play the Rams twice a year. They often play the, the Green Bay Packers. The type of run blocking is not going to surprise them. And I think that's that's an area that they're going to excel. But you're absolutely right. I mean, force them into third and long. Being able to drop, I think, Fred Warner, this seems obvious. I think this is the case every week. But Fred Warner is going to be a huge key in this game. But really in, in the passing game, because he is good at dropping back. He is long He's smart. He can kind of disrupt those over-the-middle throws. I mean, watching the Dolphins is is like watching a souped-up version of the 49ers. It's all crossing routes. And Shanahan talked about this. I mean, Tyreek Hill and and Jalen Waddell are so fast that it takes the top off the defense. The defense has to commit deep, which creates these huge gaps in the middle of the field for either the other guy or for Trent Shurfield or, like I said, for, for River Craycraft. And that's where I think the uh, 49ers linebackers, Greenlaw and Warner, they call them the hookers. That They run these kind of hook uh, routes themselves. They get into those lanes and try to disrupt things. So they should be well-versed against this thing. They know what to do. It's all about execution. I and mean, it's really all about how quickly 
that 49ers pass rush can take effect because uh, that that's what struck me when when this uh, this Dolphins offense is clicking it's all happening so so fast uh, and it's and it's happening deep down the field so they can they can get those chunk plates very quickly um, it's going to be fun uh, Dennis there's there's an added element uh, the elements it's going to rain on uh, probably a lot of uh, our listeners are probably going to be listening to this Thursday morning as they're stuck in some sort of horrible commute because it's supposed to rain a lot in the Bay Area on Thursday morning. It's supposed to rain a little bit more on Saturday and Sunday. Um, you know, uh, if I'm the 49ers, I, I keep that tarp off the field. I get that thing as, <laughs> as soupy as I can. Um, and uh, that uh, that could uh, add up to an assist, I think, in, in trying to slow Hill and Waddle and Mostert and those guys down. Yeah, slow that track me down a little bit. I mean, you know, th- that'd be great. But uh, like you said, I mean, this is a, a souped up 49ers uh, 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 offense and the 49ers offense has to be souped up come Sunday. And, you know, you, you don't have the, the same talented quarterback. But the 49ers offense, I mean, you've got you've got some, you know, you got some st- I don't know what the injury report looks like. But uh, you got some pretty good guys on that offensive side that can they can put some points up. So I mean, it, it's got to be it's got to be cool. Well, not not cool, but it, it's got to be a lot easier. Maybe it's not, but to to play against a team that kind of runs the same scheme uh, and and for Kyle Shanahan to be with a head coach and, and kind of groom a head coach, uh, and then you know now you got to coach against him, but you kind of know his tendencies. You kind of know what he likes. Uh, you kind of know what he wants to do on offense. So that's got to be a little bit of an advantage. But, I mean, if, if it's going to rain on Sunday, I mean, it's got to slow these guys down. And, Dave, you just you just named off uh, you know, quite a few guys that uh, now play for Miami. How many former 49ers are actually on the Miami Dolphins? Do you know? We have Moster. You have Wilson. You have Trent Sherfield, River Craycraft. That's four, Matt. Uh, who who else am I missing? Well, a couple of coaches, I know the coaching staff, John Embry and uh, Wes yeah. Welker. And, and if we're talking yeah. about uh, uh, grudges, if we have a grudge yeah. meter here, yeah. I might put uh, John Embry at the at the top of that list. He's the the tight ends coach or the former tight ends coach here, and he's doing the same thing in in Miami there. But uh, we could talk about that, David, about what. Uh, what Raheem Mostert and uh, to a lesser yeah. extent, I thought Jeff Wilson uh, have been saying in the run up to this game. I'm just thinking, I mean, this is and that's what the point I was going to bring up is that, you know, I, I don't know if I only played for one football team. And so I, I didn't have that that uh, that feeling of, you know, you did me wrong or you cut me too early or something like that. So I don't know what the grudge the grudge part is about, but it's got to be a little bit. I mean, you have all these guys that are, are coming from the 49ers. There's got to be a little bit of a chip on the shoulder for some of these guys coming back to Levi Stadium and playing against the 49ers. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I just, it's just amazing when I think about how many coaches and players will be returning to Levi Stadium on Sunday. And, you know, this is one of the benefits of running a successful operation, but then it, the benefit turns into something you have to deal with, right? And the Walsh 49ers dealt with this for a long time. Coaches get jobs elsewhere, so your assistants turn into head coaches, and then they'll take some players with them, and they'll take your scheme with them, and a lot of your tricks will then be used against you. I mean, this was famously 
the case in the 1990s, Dennis, when the Green Bay Packers played you guys, when the, the Packers mm-hmm. 49ers rivalry, uh, it drove Steve Young crazy because Bill Walsh and that whole spirit of abundance that he had when, when Mike Holmgren left the 49ers, he took an entire binder worth of stuff that, that Bill Walsh had essentially prepared for him and said, Hey, go succeed wherever you go. And you know, Bill was already retired by, by the point that the the Packers started giving you guys trouble. But uh, it was, I think the 1997 NFC championship game, the Packers came in the candlestick, beat you guys. And, then Mike Holmgren had a speech after the game, and I guess that Steve Young asked Brett Favre what, what was the speech after the game when they when he later saw him golfing or something. And Brett Favre said the speech, and Steve said, "Oh my God, I can't believe it! That it literally was the Bill Walsh speech after a big <laughs> NFC Championship win." And Mike Holmgren literally got it out of a binder and <laughs> delivered it to his team. So it was like this family feud, right, between the Packers yeah. and the 49ers. And I think Dolphins and 49ers has a chance to uh, be something similar, although they're in different conferences, so you won't play nearly as often. But still, uh, it, it might remind you a bit of that, right? <laughs> yeah, it would. I mean, I, that's it. That, that's funny you said he, he used the same speech. And I heard Coach Walsh had some great speeches, too. But yeah, I mean, when we played Green Bay, it was, you know, we would think that, yeah, you know, we, we practice against this offense. But, you know, when you have different different variables, like a different quarterback, Britt Favre was a different quarterback than Steve Young. Uh, they had a running back that was different than, you know, a Ricky Waters or someone who, who was in who was in the uh, practices for us. So, I mean, you, you're familiar with it. But, you know, when you get in between the lines, it's a whole lot different. But there's got to be a lot of lot of lot of stuff being talked at the line of scrimmage. I mean, when you're tackling Raheem Moster or you're you know you're tackling Jeff Wilson Jr. I mean, you got to be talking a lot of trash. So, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a high scoring game too. But uh, if it rains, it could slow it down a little bit. Dennis, what would what would be uh, going on in a locker room um, ahead of a game in which uh, an ex player was uh, was scheduled to play you guys. Was was that discussed at all? I mean, I people are, are, are wondering if the 49ers are upset with what Mostert said, if Jimmy Garoppolo is upset. Um, my my thought is that no, they they probably don't care all that much, but but maybe maybe it is something that's discussed and it helps get uh, guys uh, kind of uh, up and, and frothing before the game. Do you, do you remember any kind of scenarios like that when you were playing? No, I, I don't. But, I mean, it depends. on. I don't know what they said, uh, what, what Raheem said or if Jeff Wilson Jr. said. But, you know, if I mean, you can talk a lot of trash. I mean, football is, is trash talking. That's what it's about. But if, it, if you start pointing people out by name, then it gets a little, it gets a little personal. So, you know, I, I don't know what was said. But a lot of that stuff is, you know, guys just talking head. I mean, you, you, you're always talking when you're when you're on the field or when you're off the field about a team. But once you start kind of pointing out one person, that's when it gets serious. If someone's saying, you know, you, I remember, I remember uh, Steve Wallace, uh, Super Bowl uh, was it? What the Super Bowl I was the Super Bowl I was in in '94, '95. A defensive lineman. I can't think of his name, played for San Diego. And he said in a press conference that he was going to get four sacks in the game and Steve Wallace was going to be the reason why the 49ers would would lose the Super Bowl. Uh, so Steve took that serious and he put it in front. He put it in his locker. 
He pinned it in his helmet. I mean, he had it everywhere he went. And, you know, that Super Bowl, of course, we won it. But uh, that player didn't get any sacks, didn't even get a tackle. So once you start pointing folks out, um, you know, that's when it gets that's when it gets serious. But, you know, just talking in general, I don't think, you know, we, we didn't really care about people just talking head or talking crap about a team. But once you once you kind of pointed out somebody again, you know, it's it's just talk. It's just talk. And you still got to put the pads on and, and go out on the field. So I, I guess that's that's where we're not sure if Raheem Mostert crossed the line or not, because he said that I mean, it was some interview where they were talking about Tua, Tua Tagovailoa and, and the offense in Miami, and his quote was, we have a quarterback who can actually sling it. And considering the fact that Ray Mostert previously played for the 49ers, and he used the word actually, we have a quarterback who can actually sling it, it seemed to infer that he was saying that the other team that Mike McDaniel schemed up, the 49ers, the team that Raheem Mostert used to play for, uh, have a quarterback has a quarterback that can't sling it. And Raheem Mostert then even went on the radio in the Bay Area on KMBR on Tuesday to walk back that comment or at least try to explain it. He said, no, I wasn't talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. My wife is friends with his sister or something like that. Uh, you know, he was... It was landed on thick trying to say that he would he would never say anything <laughs> like that. But Matt, to me, like Dream Mostert's been around long enough, around the 49ers long enough. He knows the politics of how people talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, the, the 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 quarterback position. To say that we now have a quarterback who can actually sling it, like to me, God, he he's got to be smarter than that if he really didn't want that to be trash talk, right? I when I first read that, I'm like, hmm, this is spicy. I liked it because I like these <laughs> boxing hype up trash talk stuff. But if Raheem Mostert didn't want to put bulletin board material out there, uh, he was not very smart with his words. Yeah, the the word actually is is the sort of the hot button word there. But I, I hate to say it, but the, you know the 49ers uh, agree with him. I mean, this is the whole reason why they they used all those first picks to to get Trey Lance is because Jimmy Garoppolo does certain things well the you know the things that that Tua does well getting the ball out quickly Jimmy Garoppolo does what Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't doesn't do which which Tua does is you know uh, attack all corners of the field I mean um, you know the, the the deep passing game is almost totally absent with him so he's not saying anything that Boy, the 49ers haven't stated in, in huge, bold letters already, and that everybody doesn't already know. Uh, but you're right, David. Sometimes when you, uh, when you hustle, when you uh, bend over backwards to take back your words, it's almost worse than the actual thing that you said. Um, and I will tell you that, um, that uh, Raheem Mostert uh, and Jeff Wilson, when they were with the 49ers, were two of the most – uh, beloved guys in that locker room, really fantastic guys, fantastic teammates. I just remember uh, the 49ers doing all their community uh, uh, affairs stuff um, during the season, and they do it on Tuesday, Dennis. And you know, they they'll go to a, a children's hospital one week, and they'll go to I don't know a juvenile detention center the next, and do something else the next. And it's very hard for the 49ers to get players to do that because it's the one day off. These guys are just beaten down from the game. They're sore. They're recovering. And uh, Raheem was the one guy they could count on week in and week out to show up. 
uh, and, it, and it meant a big deal to all the kids and to all the groups that he met with. Um, you know, just a, a terrific guy. So I, I hate that he's sort of the, the face of the enemy this week. And, uh, it, you know, some fans might might take his, his words too seriously. I'm pretty sure that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't. Um, but uh, my point is what he was saying is, is absolutely true. And uh, I, I think a lot of fans recognize uh, exactly what he was getting at. Yeah, and I was about to say the same thing. And and the, and the problem is what? I mean, he's 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 speaking what we what we always talk about, what we've talked about on this show. So, but then you have to be careful. I mean, you you're right, Dave. You have to be you have to be careful because all teams are always looking for something to put on their bullet their bulletin board. Um, they actually have people out there that just kind of search through newspapers and and looking for things and looking for comments like that. So you have to be careful what you say because it will end up on somebody's billboard, and and uh, and it's too bad because, like you said, uh, Matt, um, he, he stand up guy. I mean, I did a lot of community um, community relations things with him in the Bay Area. I mean, in San Francisco and in Santa Clara. So he and his wife have have been a, a big supporters of the community, and they've done a lot of a lot of different great different things. But you know, in, in football, you just have to be careful and. You know, now he's got a quarterback that can sling it. So, you know, it's 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 good for him. I mean, I, I don't know if he's upset with the 49ers the way he, you know, was kind of uh, released or traded or wherever it was. But, uh, you know, sometimes those grudges can fuel you, fuel you a little bit. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe he can take it. Maybe he can take that and say, listen, it's, going, it's a challenge now. And maybe he can go out and, you know, throw the ball down the field a little bit. But... I mean, you, you gotta you gotta be careful what you say because there's people always looking and reading and trying to find something negative to put on a board. So, um, you know, it's too bad for him, but still, you know, his thing is he's got to suit up. I mean, I don't know if he's going to play this week. I know he didn't play last week, but he's got to suit up and he's got to face this defense. And you know, maybe that maybe the defense can you know take some of that some of that out on him because we know if Raheem gets in a rhythm, if he if he doesn't need much to get down the football field. I mean, all he needs is a, a very small window and he's, you know, he's, he's down the field. So, you know, good luck to him. I mean, he's, he's been doing great, but you got to watch what you say. You just got to watch what you say because it will come back to haunt you a little bit. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, let's take a look at the matchup between the 49ers offense and the Dolphins defense because I don't think people are talking about this one as much. And, you know, we were we were talking about Jimmy Garoppolo here, so he'll obviously be central to that. Uh, the Dolphins don't have a good defense. It's it's below average. The 
pass rush isn't great, but it's, I mean, they did trade for Bradley Chubb. So the 49ers are going to see him for the second time this year, former uh, Denver edge rusher. It's the secondary though, that has really struggled for, for the Dolphins. They have the same two cornerbacks that they had back when the 49ers played them in 2020. That was a game that, you know, again, I'm switching to the other side of the ball, but that was the Brian Allen game for the 49ers at cornerback. He just got completely burned by <laughs> yeah, all Brian those Allen Miami game. receivers. Oof. And yeah, and uh, and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the QB for the Dolphins then. But anyway, switching back to the 49ers offense, Garoppolo was playing hurt in that game. They yanked him at halftime because nothing was really working. In this game, the 49ers hope that he'll be fully healthy. He was practicing in full on on Wednesday without a brace and uh, he's getting the face of Miami secondary that's really struggled this year that I mean yards and points have have uh, been able to come by a- against this secondary and it might turn into a game where the 49ers do need to score quite a bit right so I think the complementary football is going to be really important 49ers defense going to be asked to slow Miami as much as possible it may not be possible to stonewall or stop them based on all that speed uh, and then the rest of the job has to be executed by the 49ers offense against the Miami defense that is number 25 in efficiency against the pass and we know that the 49ers are better passing than they are running. And we also know that the 49ers are beaten up in the backfield with Elijah Mitchell out and Christian McCaffrey dealing with knee irritation. So uh, over the past two weeks, we've seen Garoppolo throw on 14 of 15 downs against Arizona and then throw 28 times in the first half last week against the New Orleans Saints, which was a record for him, for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I believe, Matt, that more of the same might be necessary against the Miami defense that has not been good defending the pass, especially if the 49ers need to put up some points on the scoreboard to keep up. Yeah, for sure. They're going to have to put up more than 13 points that they put up against the Saints to, to win this, probably uh, triple that amount. Um, but, you know, you know, we're, we're talking about grudges and, and resentment. Um, I wonder whether the, the, the 49ers receivers are kind of uh, watching and listening to everything this week, and it's uh, Jalen Waddle this and Tyreek Hill that, and uh, lots of Tua talk. And I wonder whether they're saying, okay, you know, we're 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 pretty good in our own right, um, and uh, we have an opportunity to put on a, a show of our own. Um, and then I wonder whether that's also happening with the, the 49ers defense. Lots of questions today to, to Fred Warner and to Nick Bosa and to others about, you know, gee, you guys uh, really got your, you know, what handed to you by the Chiefs. I mean, do you, do you feel like this is a, a, a real opportunity to show that you can shut down a, uh, a top defense? And at one point, Fred Warner said, yeah, we, we have to make sure that we don't uh, allow them to put 40 on us. Uh, and he said it sort of, uh, uh, Ironically, uh, with, with a smile, but uh, the the inference being that uh, you know we're we're pretty good in our own right. Um, we don't want uh, all the storyline to be about how great this Miami offense is. So uh, I think all these guys are going to see this as a challenge. Uh, I think that uh, Miami is you know certainly one of the big storylines of the season this year. And, uh, you know, sometimes, Dennis, that's an opportunity for you to kind of steal the front page from somebody else uh, when it's a a higher profile game like the one 
that the 49ers are going to play on Sunday. And I hope Fred Warner, you know, understands that, you know, these are the games that you, you know, you need to go in and you need to, to pr- I mean, the defense, yes, you've played well, you know, the last four weeks, but these are the kind of offenses that you have to go in and shut down. I mean, if you want to compete for a championship, Kansas City, we always go back to Kansas City because the defense was awful against Kansas City. Kansas City ran the ball. They passed the ball. They did anything basically, basically they wanted to to against this defense. Uh, then you then you the next four weeks, you show up and you shut down teams. Now, here's another high powered offense with a very good quarterback and very good receivers. And that's the challenge. I mean, that's the challenge. I mean, you this is what you want to do. Now, if you can go in on Sunday and shut down this Miami Dolphins, and then you can say, hey, look at us. And until then, I don't think, you know, I don't think you can. I mean, you've shut down, you know, four different offenses, but you ain't you, none, of, none of them were as effective as the Miami Dolphins are. So, you know, a, as many weapons. So I, I think this is a this is a great challenge. I mean, talk we're, we're talking about Miami and and all the great weapons they have. And yes, the 49ers have weapons. But your defense, your defense is what's going to win your championships. And this is an opportunity to show the entire NFL serve notice that, you know, we are a good defense and you got to do it with no mistakes and you got to do it with sticky coverage uh, and your pass rush has to show up. And, you know, and, and defense is easy. I mean, if, if you can do those three things, you're good. Uh, on the offensive side, I think this could be another George Kittle game. I mean, I think you can really pass the or tight ends catch a lot of balls uh, against the Miami Dolphins. This is an opportunity for George Kittle to be become even bigger in this offense. Uh, I don't know what's going to go on with the running game, but you have to establish some kind of running game for Jimmy Garoppolo because we know it. He's not going downfield. So uh, Jawan Jennings, I mean, he's a guy that's going to show Brandon Ayuk. He's going to have to show up Debo. Uh, you know, I don't know how beat up he is, but he's going to have to show up in this football game. So this this is this is the challenge you want. I mean, this is how you erase uh, the Kansas City game. You go out and you and you shut down a high powered offense. And you put some points on the board, and then we stop talking about Kansas City. Until then, we're going to keep referring back to Kansas City, Fred Warner. Well, we talk about the pass rush because I think the 49ers defense, it's its funny that they've become only the eighth team since the merger to shut out an opponent in the second half, four straight games. But like I said earlier, they haven't been fully overpowering. There, there's been leakage, especially in the first half of these games. And then against the the Saints, there was leakage in the second half, but they just tightened up at the goal line and they had a couple inspired goal line stands. I still think there's a lot of meat on the bone for this defense to to get better. And I have a piece dropping on Thursday, so you could check it out on the Athletic, comparing the 49ers 2022 defense to the 2019 defense and. Uh, I you know I subdivided 2019 as well. Weeks one through 12 of 2019 was the peak of the Shanahan Lynch 49ers defense, right? Robert Sala was the coordinator back then, but then they suffered some injuries and they weren't quite the same after that. I, they put up a couple really good games in the playoffs against the Vikings and the Packers, and then three quarters against the Chiefs. But uh, for all intents and purposes. This was about when D Ford was healthy, you know, in that first half of 2019 is when the 49ers hit just overwhelming power on the defensive side of the ball. And I compared the 2022 numbers to 2019 as a whole and then to that overwhelming part of, of 2019. And where the 49ers are still falling short right now is the pass rush. The pass rush has not been 
as prolific, not nearly as prolific as it was back in 2019. And for that, I have to wonder, I, I, I know they don't have D Ford anymore. They only had him healthy for a very short period of time. But uh, I do have to wonder what Eric Armstead's return, if it does happen, if he is back at 100%, what that will do to this pass rush. Because, Matt, I am a firm believer that Eric Armstead was worth more than 10 sacks last year. Not because he was delivering the sacks himself, but because he stops the run so effectively. And when he does pass rush from the inside, he's like a snowplow, taking up all kinds of room with that big 6'7", 6'8", frame. And he really opens stuff up for for the edge rushers, right? And anytime you talk to a 49ers defensive lineman, especially an edge rusher, he gets really excited talking about the impact that Eric Armstead has on making the job easier for the exterior guys. And... Maybe that is the added piece that the 49ers need to bring that pass rush up to the dominant level so that this defense can go from what they're doing right now, which is really good, to just completely engulfing opponents, which is what they might need, the quality defensively against an offense as good as Miami's. No, for sure. And that's something that Nick Poster talked about after the Saints game. I mean, he was being asked about all the double teams and all the chipping and, and how he deals with that. It's something he gets asked from time to time. Um, and he's had two interesting things. One is that he's been studying, uh, you know, the Miles Garretts and all the top pass rushers in the league to see how they handle it, uh, which means that, you know, he's always kind of searching for, for answers, which is what you want from a, uh, a defensive end like him. And the second part was that he thinks that once Eric Armstead is back, um, he won't have to deal with quite as much traffic as, as he's been dealing with. And uh, he seemed to hint after the Saints game that this was in the offing, that, uh, that, that Armstead was coming back shortly. Uh, Armstead was uh, pulling the, the veteran move, Dennis, by kind of avoiding the media and making sure that he was in the training room when we were in the locker room. So he didn't <laughs> talk on, on Wednesday, but uh, it seems like, I mean, the only question in my mind, I think is his ankle has fully healed, but he's been off that leg for so long um, I wonder whether the 49ers are uh, concerned about his conditioning and, you know, kind of rushing back too soon and having uh, another issue hit. But uh, absolutely, I, I agree with what David said. And um, the, the 49ers have, to, are, are, I'm sure, are eager to get him back, but they also have to look at the kind of the big picture here and uh, how many games are left and, and how. Eric Armstead is going to be valuable in this game against the Dolphins. He's going to be much more valuable in that first playoff game against whoever it is. So that's what uh, that's what they're weighing, I think, uh, this week. I mean, you have to think if if he's in a lineup, you know this this defense is at a different level. Um, just him being on the inside, we see how, how much he's changed uh, this defense, especially against the run. And then in the past, with those long arms, that quick first step, that ability to kind of shoot the gaps like he does. I mean, that just that just adds. And he makes he makes the the pass rush better because now you have another guy that you kind of have to focus on. You know, right now I think most teams are are, are kind of sliding and, and chipping to Nick Bosa uh and then telling the other offensive linemen, you just gotta hold your guy one on one. Uh, because we've got Nick Bosa. Even though Nick Bosa's what he's got, eleven and a half sacks now. So he's still getting there. But with Eric Armstead in the lineup, you you have to Pay attention to him. You you can't leave him one on one. So now you have two players, two dominating players on your defensive line, 
Uh, and then you have to make a decision as as an offensive lineman or as an offensive coordinator who you're going to slide to, who you're going to double team. So he makes the pass rush better because he takes all the attention off of Nick Bosa. So I, I you know, coming back in the game, you know, if he plays this week, I mean, get he's going to get back in game shape. I'm sure he's been doing some type of conditioning, but it's like the preseason. You got to get the reps. You got to get in football shape. So, you know, I, I don't know how many snaps he could get in a football game if he came in now, but you know, he's going to be a little bit winded, uh, you know, whenever he does come back until he gets back into game shape. So what do you guys think is going to happen this weekend? I, I, <laughs> I look at this, I see the spread. It opened up at 49ers by three and a half. I think that's a reflection of the fact that they are a better two-way team than Miami, at least analytically, right? You look at... Uh, the fact that Miami has a better offense, but the 49ers also have a good defense to complement their good offense, and Miami has a below-average defense. So the spread actually grew from 3.5 to 4. Um, it's a home game for the 49ers. It might rain a little bit, but it doesn't look like it's going to be like a torrential downpour of rain. But if it does rain, maybe that that slows down the, the, the team that is really into that aerial attack in the Dolphins. But, you know, I can't fully get my head around this game just because every time I talk myself into, oh, the 49ers defense is back, they're, you know, they, they, they can shut out teams in the second half. I realize that the offenses that they have shut out in the second half of the past four weeks are nowhere near the level of the Chiefs, and they definitely did not shut the Chiefs out in the second half, and the, the Dolphins have scored even better than the Chiefs this year. So it, it's to me, this is this is a really, really tough game for the 49ers. I think, Matt, that the tackle situation for Miami, they probably won't have either of their starting two offensive tackles, though we probably won't be sure about Teron Armstead until close to game time based on the way he's talking. But even if he does play, he's got the torn pectoral muscle, and you know Nick Bosa is going to try to test that. Because of that, I think that if the 49ers just do a little bit of their job on the back end, They've got to, at some point, especially if Eric Armstead is back, they've got to get to Tua Tagovailoa. Otherwise, the, this this pass rush is, isn't what we what we thought it was. And if that formula is followed, I do believe that the, the Dolphins have a, a weak defense relative to the rest of the league. And and that's something that, that could be the winning difference in this game for the 49ers. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the 49ers to win. Uh, I think it's going to happen 30-27. to 27. I think the defense holds... Miami under 30 and I think that the 49ers offense that magic number will be 30 in this game but I that's just my prediction I really can't get a firm read on how this 49ers defense is going to look just because they looked so bad the last time we saw them and against an, an, an elite offense yeah and I wonder whether that line did move because of the the, the injury situation with the, the Dolphins offensive line because that Texans game and I realized the Texans are are horrible and they, and they looked horrible in this game. But it was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with the Dolphins. They looked like world beaters in the first half, and they couldn't get anything done in the second. Um, and like I said earlier, the, they were so bad that they got Tua out of that game. Um, he couldn't do anything, and he was getting beat up. So if that's if that's the case, and I think they'll, they'll, there, there will be some element of that, um, I like the 49ers in this one. Uh, they're just a much more complete team. This, this is the Dolphins are a surprise this year. They have a really good offense. 
They picked the right players and the right head coach, but they're still rebuilding. They don't have a good tight end. They don't have the fullback that the 49ers do. They don't have the edge rushers. They don't have the linebackers. The list goes on and on. The 49ers, uh, 1 through 22, are far, far better. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I see a similar score. I'm going to go. I think the 49ers can put 33 points on the Dolphins, and the Dolphins will come up with 30. I think it'll be a, a nail-biter, but the 49ers win out. I have to agree with you guys. I, I you know, I, I, I see the 49ers winning this football game. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I, I, just, I just don't think the 49ers – I don't think the rush can get there fast enough. Uh, with, with the way two is throwing the ball now, and he's got his, these receivers, I, I just don't see the 49ers keeping up uh, with these two receivers on the outside. And and there's going to be so much space in the middle of the football field. Uh, and then with the running back situation, I think Jeff Wilson Jr. comes back in here with a chip. I think Raheem has a chip. I just I, I think it's going to be a very high scoring football game. Uh, uh, and I, I just, I, I think it's, I just don't see the 49ers offense really click. I didn't see him click last week. There's something missing there. Now you got some more injuries. Um, but I do think they'll, they'll put at least 30 points on the board. Uh, so I'm going to say 35, 37, 49ers, but I, I think it's going to be a super close football game. Oh boy. That would be a barn burner. 37-35, yeah. that'd be everything this game is uh, built up to be. I mean, right now you've got the drama of the Dolphins and the 49ers knowing each other, some of the war of words. Debo Samuel chimed in on Twitter, chastising uh, Raheem Mostert for his, his, his word selection. I mean, you've got all the buildup, right? You've got all the connections, the history, and now you're going to have the game. You're going to have two contrasting yeah. <laughs> yet related styles, and it should be a whole heck of a lot of fun. So anyway, we'll catch up with everybody after the game. I know the three of us are really happy it didn't get flexed the prime time. Nobody likes talking about a game at 1 a.m. <laughs> um, so <laughs> we, we got an afternoon game. That, that, that That's a lot of fun, 49ers and Dolphins. And then the next week is going to be an afternoon game as well, 49ers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sir Tom Brady coming to town for maybe the last time, but who knows? Maybe the, the Buccaneers will visit Levi Stadium in the playoffs. So that's uh, it, it, this is the start of a very exciting stretch because after that, it's 49ers and Seahawks on Thursday night. So 49ers currently in first place in the NFC West, trying to stack some wins. Next opportunity comes against the high-powered Dolphins offense. From Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We will talk to you after the 49ers take on Miami.